My name's Christian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'll be speaking today. Um, whoa, I thought you were saying hi to me. Okay, you were so excited to see me. You were like, hey, you should do that every Sunday. Um, thank you. All right. Um, nothing like a little ego boost to get you started. It's good. It's going to be all downhill from here, though, just warning you. Um, we are not in a teaching series right now, so we are um, doing what we call wild cards, which is basically just one-off teachings that aren't necessarily related to the week before, but are often things that God's saying to the church. And uh, it was really cool to see some of the words that came out from the mic this morning at the 11 o'clock, because they really are going to sync up with some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about. So, let's pray. Again, God, we thank you for worship and your presence, and I just pray that you would take this word and make it come alive to us. I pray you'd put power on my words, God, as I speak, that they would be more your words than my words, God, that you would let the the word of God just speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We doing good today? Feeling good? All right, awesome. It's good. Um, What if I didn't have a teaching and I just like made small talk the whole time? Some of you are like, that'd be kind of a nice, nice change of pace. <laughs> All right, so yesterday, um, I, I uh, power washed my deck. Um, I don't know if you've ever used a power washer. I've got like a real one I borrowed from someone who will remain nameless, Jordan. And uh, it is not broken underneath my deck right now. It is totally still working. And, um, and so I power washed my deck. And, you know, Mandy and I, when we have a free day, which isn't very often, we usually make a plan for the day because... I learned early on in my marriage that my idea of a free day and her idea of a free day are radically different, so it helps if we talk about it first. Um, so we talk about it, we make a plan, we're like, okay, well, you can power wash the deck. That'll take like an hour. That was like at, t- I think I started at 10 a.m. I stopped at 5.30. <laughs> All right, and so I'm power washing the deck, and, and like, you know, if you've ever power washed anything, if you stand at a certain distance and you power wash it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's nice. But if you accidentally like get a little closer one time, you're like, oh, even nicer, right? And so I was doing like the deck part and I got a little closer and I was like, oh, wow, that really, that really shines, you know? The closer you get, but the closer you get, the smaller the surface area that you can cover is. So by the end, I was like doing like little half inch strips, you know, like this bent over. That's why it took me eight hours. And I thought, man, this is looking good. But you can't really tell because it's wet, right? I have like a composite deck. And so came home later that night um, with my father-in-law, and we walked up on the deck, the famous Cherokee, who you've heard a lot about. And I had been bragging to him about how I power washed the deck all day. And he came up and he looked around. And he was like, you power wash this thing? <laughs> and I looked, I looked, and it looks worse than it did. <laughs> because... Before I power washed it, it was uniformly stained. But now it is like partially randomly stained and partially randomly clean. With like lines and holes and it looks like a four-year-old painted the deck. And uh, of course, like, like the smart person that I am, I started, I started on the entrance. I got better. So the back of the deck where no one ever goes looks a lot better. But right when you walk in, it's like, what happened? So I, I, was, I was frustrated because I worked hard, really hard. And it's so funny because I knew what I was going to be teaching on. And often when I, 
God does things in my life to just reinforce what I'm learning before I share it. But I had this, this, this response was like, why did I do this? Why did I waste so much time and energy doing this? And it doesn't even look good. And so I'm hoping Jordan lets me borrow the power washer for a little bit longer. Because now I don't know what to do. I'm going to like spot clean. I'm going to walk around and be like, psst, psst, and we'll see. It's going to probably look worse. But anyway, um, enough about me. So uh, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about work. And, and I know that we don't, like I feel like work is the big chunk of our lives that can sometimes be compartmentalized away from God. And we work, I, I looked up just the average person works 90,000 hours in their lifetime. This paid employment, 90,000 hours. And that's a lot, okay? But I want to take this and apply it to, to all kinds of work. So it does, whether you're paid or not, this can be work in ministry, it can be work in your home, and it can be work at a job. But sometimes we get to these places in all of those things where we ask the question, why am I doing this? Have you ever been there? You've been sitting at your desk and you're like, how did I get here? Like you start to have existential questions instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? And you're like, why, why am I doing this? Or is this really even making a difference? I mean, you can ask that question as a parent. You can ask that question as a spouse. You can ask that question in ministry. Sometimes you get into ministry and you're like, does anyone even care about this thing that I'm working so hard on? It feels like there's no momentum. It feels like I can't get anyone to volunteer or sign up for this thing. There's times when we need to be reminded about the why, okay? Why am I doing things? And so I read this verse about a month ago, and this verse really grabbed my heart. It's 1 Thessalonians 1.3. It's in an intro to the book. It's like the little preamble. And, you know, here's the danger. And I, I was told this morning not to apologize for my teaching because I did a little bit. So I'm not going to apologize. But I am going to just give you one disclaimer. Sometimes I find verses that are really interesting to Christian, Okay? And I, I love this verse. I like wrote a whole long page in my journal about it. I have totally geeked out over it. I looked up the Greek words. I've read commentary. I love it. But I was pretty sure no one else was going to find it interesting. So I just kept it in my journal, safe from all of you, and saving you the heartache of listening to me talk about it for half an hour. But then I made the mistake of talking about it with Jim Leach at lunch this week. I was like, Jim, this is really interesting. I just want to tell you about this. It's like, but I don't think it preaches. You know, it's like, I don't think this verse preaches. It's interesting for three or four minutes, but it's boring for 30. And he was like, no, I think you got to do it. And so Jim starts speaking into my life. And he's like, no, you got to do this. This guy, you could do this. Like, and he starts thinking of all these more ideas. And, and by the end of lunch, he had, he had won me over to my own teaching. So here it is. And we all know where the, the blame squarely rests if this is no good. Jim's right there. He owns it, okay? Now, if it's excellent, you can thank me, okay? <laughs> I'd be glad. I'd be glad to do that. Um, all right, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. We remember before our God and Father. And then there's these three sections that I want to break apart. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by our hope in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I have literally just been rolling that around, rolling that around in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind for about a month now. This is the first time <clears throat> chronologically in the Bible that the, the triumvirate faith, hope, and love is mentioned by Paul. 
you know, later on, it's mentioned and he says, these three will remain. When all else fails, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I want you to begin to get this, that there's these three spiritual pillars or spiritual fountains of life, faith and hope and love that we can plug into to live our lives by or choose not to plug into. And I want to talk about the things that we do. All right, now, I want, to, I want you to hear this on multiple levels. Hear it for work at your job because I really think one of the things God wants to do is to decompartmentalize us and say, you know, when you're working in your job, can you plug into faith and hope and love? And can you see the Holy Spirit at work through you at your occupation? But take it beyond that too. Take it to parenting. Take it to relationships. So we're going to do that. So this is the teaching. This is it. We're going to look at those three, three word sentences or statements, not sentences, fragments. And we're just going to allow the Lord to just dig deep. Okay? So the first one is work produced by faith. What's really interesting is there's two Greek words here for work. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love. Two different Greek words. The first one is ergon. Okay? And this word means uh, an endeavor or work that is like satisfying and brings you life. So this is the kind of work that's like your wheelhouse. Right? You understand what I mean? It's like, this is who you were made to be. When you do this, you are doing what you do. This is you being you. This is who God's created you to be. You're stepping into your calling. You know, when God puts faith in us to do something, and then we walk it out, it brings us life. Even if it's difficult. Even if it requires a lot of effort. Right? There is a work. This is what this, this first part's telling us. There is a work that brings life. There is effort that brings energy. And it's like the reverse of what you'd expect. The harder you work in the areas you are created to work in, the more life you find. Have you ever found that? You find that sweet spot? Now, sometimes you might not find that at work, or there might be parts of your work, but you might find it in your life. You might find it in ministry. You might find it in a hobby, but there's things that we were just made for. I love doing Project Timothy because, uh, it's just who I'm made to be. Like, I mean, there's lots of stuff that God's called all of us to do, and we can't just say there's one thing. But one of the things that I, I know I've been called to do is to raise up teenage leaders, and I just love it. And so that week is exhausting. I mean, I'm pretty much here from 8 a.m. till midnight for seven days, but I love it. I end that night, that last night, I go home, I go to bed, and I'm disappointed it's over. I'm not like, Oh, thank God that's over. Yeah, I'm, I am pumped. I'm like, yes, I wish we did this. I literally think this every time. I wish we did this more than once a year. It just brings me life. A couple years ago, I got sick in the middle because I was pushing myself too hard. And like the fifth day, I just, I like had chills and I felt just like drained and out of it. But I didn't want to miss the last two days. So I had people pray for me and I went and took like an hour nap and just came back and finished the week strong because I didn't want to miss it. This is what it's like when you are working from faith. God has put that faith. What's faith? It's so hard to describe faith. But like on some level for me, faith is like this deep assurance that something is God. God's called you to this. Faith is, is knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right? So when you have that thing that your spirit and your soul grabs onto, you can just go. You can just work in that. And it produces life in the earth. So I think that's interesting. You might not, and that's okay. I'll give you permission. But I think it's interesting. But when I was making this teaching, 
I was saying to myself, I was hearing the voice of Jim Leach in my head, right? It's not just good enough to explain something that's interesting. We need to know, so what? So what, Christian? So what that that's got a different Greek meaning? So here's why. Here's what I think, so what? Here's what's in it for us. Right, Jim? All right, there you go. First, I think we can learn to tie our work back into faith when it gets unplugged. And what I mean is that there are times when we're working and we forget why we're doing it. And we need to plug back in. We can work from just our human strength, our human ability. We can forget to tie into the supernatural ability that God gives us for even humanly tasks. God has supernatural ability for you to be an accountant. He has supernatural ability for you to be a teacher. He has supernatural ability for you to work in your office or to work with your hands or to work as an artist or whatever it is you do. God has supernatural ability for you in that moment. Even if it's not who you are called to be, you can say, God, let my work be produced through faith. And you can invite the Holy Spirit to anoint you, to come upon you. Let me give you an example. Uh, About five or six years ago, um, uh, I felt like the Lord asked me to begin to supervise the finances. Like, like as pastors, we, we're a team, and we kind of split up different, like, uh, responsibilities. Some of them we share, whatever. So, I just, you know, no one else was feeling really drawn to it. Lynn and I really fought over the finances. She really wanted to delete it. Um, so, you know, it was more of a short straw sort of thing, but no. I really did. I felt called to do it. And so, like, I don't have, I mean, I'm like decent in math. That's all I've got going for me. I, I don't have any, any sort of accounting background or, or training or anything like that. So, but we, you know, I just had a passion that came from God to like really help our church get on a budget and, and live by it. And like, I, I just have a passion for like being full of integrity and, and, you know, saving when we can save and being generous where we should be generous. But I'll tell you what, five, six years into this, sitting there for four or five hours with Michelle, sometimes I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? Not because I'm spending time with Michelle. That's the, best, that's the good part. That's the good part. Now, Michelle's looking at me going, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us feeling particularly good at what we're doing at that time, right? I mean, there's a place where you just get to where you're like, you, you've been looking at these numbers and you're like, what? Um, but, we're, we do. We make a good team. We make a good team. And uh, so anyway, there are times when I feel like, man, I just wish someone else would do this, you know? And I have to remind myself why I care. And that's where I can, like, if we disconnect from faith and from what God's spoken into your life, you begin to work out of your own strength. You know what happens. You get exhausted. You get run down. You get discouraged. Maybe even you get resentful. How come no one else on this staff does this? I'm just sitting here working on this. No one else is doing it. Lynn's in there just counseling all day long. Everyone in the church, she should be doing numbers too. You know? (laughs) That's a good joke because no one works harder than Lynn. That's what that joke was, just so you know. Um, So, you know, you have to like tie back in. And, And I do have to do this like occasionally with finances and other things. Like, all right, God, why do I care about this? Why is this important to you, God? Why have you called me to this? All right? And, um, okay, so what number two? So what number two is flip this around. Your faith and my faith should produce action. All right? So James tells us that what good is faith, brothers and sisters, if it doesn't produce action? 
And like 10 verses later, he says, faith without deeds is dead. So you have faith. Big deal. Show me your faith. So when God deposits faith in you for a ministry or faith in you for a relationship, when God begins to lead you or guide you, we need to follow that up with action. We need to release his power into that situation through our obedience. So faith plus obedience brings his power. Listen to this verse. I want to show you this. I love this. Okay, there's another Thessalonians verse. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that God may make you worthy of his calling. That's a whole other teaching. All right? And by his power, he may bring fruition. Skip that next little part. For every deed prompted by faith. So what we're just talking about, deeds produced through faith. He's saying, let his power come upon all those things you do out of faith so they can produce lots of fruit in the earth. What a great prayer. God, put your power on all the things that I'm doing by faith in you that they can produce fruit in the earth. What are you, what are you doing? Or, or are you? Are there faith things in you that you're not doing? Are there words of God? Are there leadings or promptings or nudgings of the Holy Spirit that you haven't stepped out in? Okay, so a, this is a small, really small example. I feel like I should share it. But um, so sometimes I've started a new thing and I don't do it all the time. I, I hate saying this kind of stuff because now I'm going to forget to do it for like a year. But like right now I'm doing this and it's okay. I'm doing it once in a while. It's not a big deal. But in my quiet times, sometimes I'll just try to be quiet and say, God, do you have anything for anyone else instead of just for me? And once in a while, he'll speak like a name to my heart and, and like a little message and I'll just text it off. Not a big deal, but I just feel like it's a, it's a new like, addition to my time with God. And sometimes I'm a little afraid to do it, just to be honest with you. Like, out of the blue, here comes this email or this text from Christian. Why is he thinking about me right now? This is kind of weird. What if I'm, like, the thing I'm saying is kind of off base, and they're like, well, I'm not having problems. You know, like, so it takes a little bit of obedience on my part. But when I step out, every time, every time I've done it, God's put power on it. Every time the faith, the, the calling he's put in my heart, I follow it up with action, he's put power on it and it's produced fruit in people's lives. And that's where we just need to trust God. When we release what God's given us, we need to trust that God's going to put power on it. Like when I teach, I'll tell you what, and a lot of teachers would say this. I know, I know Lynn would say this too. It's really hard after you teach to not go home and recycle it and like think through every word you've said and be like, could I have said it this way? Did I say what I mean? What about this point? I wonder, you know, that person was kind of looking at me weird. That person fell asleep. Like, okay, you think about those things, you know? And so uh, something that a, a teacher that came to our church years ago named Harold Everly told me, I think he told all of us, was that when, when you preach, you know, you need to pray that verse, uh, God's word will not return to you void, all right? And that's like a King James version of that verse. But that's, I've, oh, I've held on to that for like 20 years now because, that, that's what I pray. When I go home and I start to get recycled thoughts, I say, no, no, no. My job was to give this. Like, did I work hard and was I obedient in my part of it? Yes. God put this word in me. I, I nurtured the word with preparation. I gave the word. Now it's God's job. And that's like, he, he puts power on it to produce fruit. And that's like a lot of stuff we do in the world. You know, the things that we do, like regret and second guessing, is so damaging to us. If we could just like do what God's called us to do and then just trust God with the increase. 
You know, trust God to produce fruit, even in your job. Even if you have, uh, whatever your kind of job, when you, if you're teaching or, or whatever you're doing, like, let God bless your work. And don't keep letting it come back to you. So, all right, those are the two so what's. Let's move on. Now it gets really interesting for me. So your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. Now, different Greek word for work here. It's this word kopos or whatever. I don't know how to say Greek, but it's this word. And it means strenuous and sweat producing. This is a different kind of work. This isn't work that's like life-giving and yes, this is who I was made to be. This is work that is like work. And this is prompted by love, not faith. I just find that fascinating. When I read that, I was like, yes. Something about that just resonates deeply within me. Love is this powerful force in the world. Love, you know, is love like moves the mountains. Love, the Bible says love conquers all. The Bible says love never fails. It's love within us. See, sometimes we get into things like, like marriage. We get into marriage with all this excitement and faith and we're like, yes, this is great. And then you get like 10 years in and 15 years in and it's not always easy. Understatement, right? It's not always everything you wanted it to be sometimes. But love prompts you to do the work that you need to do. See, love goes deeper. What I was feeling is that love is like this, this force to do the things that you don't always want to do. What, what motivates you to do work that isn't in your wheelhouse? What motivates you to do things that don't necessarily bring you life? Let me give you a couple examples from, from my life. Um, when, we, when we had Samuel, he, he cried for the first five years of his life. Just not even an exaggeration. He cried all—he just left, I know, because he knew I was going to talk about him. Uh, no, he heard it this morning. Um, it's, it was just a hard time of life for our whole family. And I know it was for him too, because he cried a bunch. <laughs> um, so, but he, he just cried a lot. And I just, I, I mean, I could just tell story after story. I mean, I told a different one this morning, but like one of my strategies. So there was one night where El, Elliot had gotten to an age where Samuel's crying was starting to wake Elliot up and we were trying to train Elliot to sleep. And we were like, oh, come on, can we catch a break here? And I, all, we had all these strategies. We'd been to the doctor. You know, we tried like medicine. We had all these things. We wrote Bible verses on his door, like literally. I, you know, uh, the, the, the psalm that says you will, I think you prayed this over us. You will lie down and sleep. Then we'd be like commanding that verse over him. You will lie down and sleep. You know, we, we literally taped it to the door of his bedroom. We were desperate, right? And so one night I woke up and I looked over at Mandy and I said, I'm going in. Like we had been doing the thing where you just let him cry. And he didn't do the thing where they fall asleep eventually. He didn't do that. He just cried all night long. And, and I'm really not exaggerating. You had to be there, but you're glad you weren't. And um, I looked at Mandy and I said, I'm, I'm going in. I said, I'm, I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I just feel, I felt actually a prompting of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to go in there. You may not see me for a few months. I literally said that to her at like two o'clock in the morning. And I went in there and for about a month, I slept on his floor. And I went, like the first time he would cry in the night, I'd go in there and he just needed someone near him. And so I would stand there with my hand on him 
like, this is the crib. You know, you're like hanging on the crib, oh, sort of sleeping, right? And like, it's, it was like one of those things, like, ah! Ah! right? Just as soon as I remove my hand. And so I would like train him, you know, like, I, okay, oh, he won't cry here, right? And then it'd be like, ah! you know, okay. So, but like through the night, I would slowly end just like, oh yeah. If I could get down to the ground, instant sleep, right? It, I did that for about a month and then I like moved out of the room slowly, for real. And he learned to sleep. But during that season of my life, I was not like, yes, this is who I was created to be, you know? I was not living the life. I was, I was not like, God, put this in my heart. I feel so alive. I'm never tired. All right? In all honesty, I hated it, okay? Actually, I remember being at a soccer game and some kid started crying, and I had uh, the beginning of a panic attack as this, a, uh, what's that called? Like a Pavlov's dog thing. Like I heard the crying. I was like, oh no, you know? It was like, it was pretty bad. But what kept me there was love. Love prompts a different kind of work than faith does. Love keeps you going. And you guys have been there. You know, like my dad was a high level man- in high-level management in DuPont for 30 years. He's brilliant. Okay? I mean, he went to Ohio State University. You guys don't know this stuff about him probably, but you know, he got his like, undergrad and master's combined in five years, like jumped into a job. He just is, he is like, you know, and, and he's a go-getter. He likes to have a lot of pressure. He likes to, he thrives in that kind of environment. And my mom, as, as they aged, she just got sicker and sicker. And, and we had this one surgery to, to alleviate some back pain. And as a result, she ended up paralyzed in one leg. And so, he had to retire and come home and take care of her. And so for a, a decade, my dad became a caretaker, which was not who he was trained to be. And honestly, it's not like who he is. I mean, he, is a, he loves to care for people, but he, this kind of medical caretaker was not who he was. And he, he waited on her more and more and more and more. And, you know, like the percentage as, as the time neared the end, like went up and up to where he couldn't even leave the house, you know. But I never heard him complain. And that's not an exaggeration. If you know my dad, you know it's true. And it's cool to talk about him when he's not here. But um, he, I never heard him complain, for real. Like, he would sit down for lunch with me and, like, invest in my problems, which were, like, small compared to his. But, and it was love. It wasn't him, like, living out his dream. And you need to hear this. So I just really feel like God wants to speak to some of you here today that you're doing stuff that you're like, why is this happening to me? Why am I doing this? And God just wants to reconnect you with his love. He just wants to remind you and refresh you. See, I think that we can do more than we think we can when we connect into the love of God. And that's really what it is. So the so what for this one is that you're, I think this kind of work if you're caring for someone who's, who's sick, we have, we have that happening in our body. If you're taking care of small children, you know, if you have a relationship that is just so difficult and feels more like work than fun right now, you know, we all go through seasons like that. If your job feels like that, if your job is just, you've reached that, a, a point in your job, you know, you kind of like go through seasons at work and there's times when you're feeling, yeah, and there's times when you're feeling, oh, Right? Like already you're thinking tomorrow's Monday. You know, if you're in one of those seasons, right, God, we have danger of this kind of work being, producing burnout in our lives. And burnout produces all sorts of bad things. It produces 
um, bad behavior. It produces indulgent, sinful behavior, right? Escapism. Burnout produces broken relationships. It produces poor decisions. This is where people make decisions that ruin their lives, and it was all because they just have gotten disconnected from their source. So before you get to that place of burnout, we can reconnect in with God's love. And see, it starts with God's love for us, right? We love because he first loved us. So some of you need to hear this today. And I need to hear this today. That God wants to love you in those areas today. He wants to love you right now. In those areas where it is just work. He wants to love you today. All right, so there is a work produced by faith. There is a work prompted by love. And then there is an endurance inspired by hope in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where does my hope come from? It comes from you, Lord. All right, and several words touched on hope this morning. And this is where I think, now, okay, granted, I've taken way more from this verse than probably Paul intended when he wrote it, okay? I doubt he was like, look at these levels of work and faith, hope, and love, and someday someone will see it. Now, he probably just wrote in kind of like classic Hebrew restatement to make a point that he was really proud that their work came from a place of faith in God, right? That's probably what he really meant, but so what, all right? It spoke to me, and hopefully it's speaking to you, and I think that it's true. So there is a time in life when we need endurance. Where does endurance come from? All right, so here I want to tell you this definition of endurance. This definition of endurance that I looked up, that's actually two that I put together, but it's steadfastness, staying in the right direction, staying with purpose, okay? Heading in the right direction with purpose, even though you hit trials and suffering and obstacles, That's endurance. It's going in the right direction, sticking with purpose, even though you hit trials or obstacles or struggles. Have you ever had that happen? (laughs) Right? That's an easy question to get a lot of hands raised. Yes. Anytime you've tried to start something new in the kingdom of God, if if you ever tried, you have hit obstacles. Anytime you've stepped into a, a new season of like favor in God in your life, you've also been met by attack from the enemy. There's always that. So what's endurance? Endurance is inspired by hope. I love that he didn't say faith or love because hope's different. I love to talk about hope. Hope is this thing for me that's like, instead of walking through life looking down, it's like looking past what's immediately in front of you. It's what prophets are so good at doing. It's why we need prophecy in the church because prophets see over the immediate. It's like the verse when when God says, you know, don't look just at the temporal, but look at the eternal. Hope looks past what you're immediately going through and sees what God can do. Sees the infinite, eternal possibilities. Okay, I want to read you two verses here. So the so what for this one are these two verses. Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That is a hope-filled verse. So endurance is inspired by hope because first— God is going to reveal his glory in us. That sounds good. Don't you want more of his glory? Don't you want to go from glory to glory? More like God, more of his presence, more of his voice, more of his spirit in your life. the, The Bible says, do not grow weary while doing good. 
For in due time, you will reap a harvest. You will see the fruit of your labor. God's glory is coming. So hope looks past the immediate sufferings and sees the glory that's coming. Sees the glory that's coming in your life. That's a great place for you to say amen. 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 I need that in my life, don't you? That's what inspires endurance. The opposite of endurance is giving up. So when you feel like giving up, that's when you look and you say, wait, no, God's going to reveal glory. God has something great he's going to do in me. God has something great he's going to do through me. Here's the second one. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which, did you know there's that many verses in chapter 15? I did not. I was very surprised. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, like we've been talking about, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So the second reason that hope produces perseverance and endurance is that God is going to do it. <laughs> it's worth it. What you're doing is going gonna to produce something in the earth. You're not working in vain. Think about that for raising children. You are not praying over them ceaselessly. You are not doing all the mindless things that you have to do as a parent. How many times you've had to go find socks, right? Just that thing alone. But it's going to produce something in them. You know, the times where you've sat down and had difficult discussions as your children have gotten older. They're going to produce fruit. You know, if you're younger and you're, you're wrestling through school and college and figuring out who you're supposed to be in this world, all that time spent asking the Lord, all that time spent working hard on this, the tasks that are in front of you, some of which you're like, I don't think I'll ever use this again. It's going to pay off. So this is what hope does for endurance. You know, when you're in, a, in your prayer room or, or you're just in your time of prayer for that person in your life and you're just praying and you're just not seeing the breakthrough yet, this is where hope will keep you from giving up because God is going to break through. He's going to do something. Your prayers are not ineffective. God is going to produce fruit through your prayers. It reminds me uh, of Joseph, like this talk about hope and endurance. It reminds me of Joseph. And uh, Nathan. Reminds me of Nathan too. Come on up, buddy. So, you know, the story of Joseph in the Bible is this guy who gets this great dream from God and it's true, but then it doesn't happen for a really long time. And instead, a lot of the opposite happens. And I think that that story is so important because it's a real story. You know, I love that the Bible has real people living real stories. It's not fanciful, right? So he, you know, I doubt when he was like in jail or when he was working in Potiphar's house that he was like, this is it. I've dreamed of this. I am so living my dream. This is who God made me to be. But he did it 100%, right? Didn't he? Isn't that why he kept finding favor is that he worked no matter what he did. And there's a whole bunch of verses I could have pulled out that I, that I didn't. But, you know, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that's a way to live your life when you're, no matter what you're doing, right? Work, whatever you work at, work at it with all your heart, right? So there's a lot of other verses we could have used. Joseph gave, did all those things as to the Lord. You know, he was a prisoner as to the Lord. He was a slave as to the Lord. 
because he had a hope in him, the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that was bigger, that was beyond the immediate. Somehow in his heart, he had to know God's going to make this dream come true. But I don't know the timeline, and I don't even know how, and it doesn't make sense. But God's going to do it. And then in that moment, when his brothers bowed before him, and he was like, I never knew this is what that meant. A lot of times when you step into the dreams that God has had for you or given to you, it's different than what you thought. And and it's like an aha moment. And you look back and see all the ways that God's prepared you. But if you had given up back here, you would not have gotten here. So don't give up. Don't give up when God's refining you. Don't give up when you feel hopeless. Don't give up on each other. Don't give up on the people that you, you know that there's more for them. And it breaks your heart. You know, and don't give up on yourself, the stuff in your life that you're like, man, when am I going to get this healed or get this right? God's got faith and love and hope for you today. And they can be these, like, the fuel that drives you instead of you trying to drive yourself. All right, so I want to pray for you. Man, I just feel like some of you are hurting right now. I didn't really mean for that to go there, but I just feel like some of you are hurting right now. Let's, could we stand together? I want to, let's, we have extra, extra time. I ended early. I want to pray, pray for a little bit. Would you mind? Can we just pray? We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us. If you, feel, if you feel comfortable putting your arms out, that's great. If you don't want to, that's fine. Just, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come all over this room. Come, Holy Spirit. God, you are so good. Come, Holy Spirit. I just had a picture of the power washer and this thing yesterday it ran out of gas like every five minutes it was working so hard and I kept having to fill it up and I just had this picture and I felt like some of you feel like that power washer like you just keep running out of gas and you just feel like man I'm giving, giving, giving and I'm empty and I just saw God walking up with this huge red gas can and just like filling you up right now Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us up? God, if we're on empty, would you come right now? This is, this is real. It's not just words. In the Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, come and fill. In Jesus' name. I just feel some of us are just hurting right now, and, and God is just saying it's okay to hurt. I love the verse where it talks about Jesus, you know, God catching our tears. That he is near to the brokenhearted. Let him be near to you. God, let your comfort come in this room, God. God, for those who are ready to give up, God, would you come with hope and fill us with hope in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. I'd like to pray for people up here. And so, you know, normal, 
normal stuff. Come up if you want prayer for healing. Come up if you want prayer for prophecy. But also, if you need to be filled with his love because you're working and you're just feeling run out, come up for prayer. If, if you need to be filled with faith because you just can't remember why you're doing what you're doing, come up for prayer. And if you just need hope, if you're on the edge of giving up and hopelessness, let God meet you today. It's real. When he meets you, it's real. He will move in you and bring change to your life today. Let your hope come, God. And I just, I had a picture at the first service and it just came back to me. I had a picture of um, someone who wasn't wearing their glasses and, and needed glasses. And I felt like it was prophetic for just someone not having real clear vision for their future. And if you're feeling like that, just come up for prayer today.